Welcome to the fucking show. And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of Carson's Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. We have a bit of a condensed show for you this week before a big, big episode of bowl picks and previews for the college football playoff next week. That will be coming. Do not worry about that. I did not forget about the big news in college football and all that that happened. There's a few mail sack questions about college football, so we'll touch on those a little bit. But my full bowl game picks and my predictions for the college football playoff will be coming next week. In this episode, though, we're going to go back to basics. We're going to do a mail sack, and then we are going to touch on the NFL Week 14 and a little college basketball, and that is going to be it. It should be a shorter episode, but it will still be a good episode episode. And how do you stay up to date on all the good episodes that come out? You like, rate, review, and subscribe. You know the deal on any place you get this podcast, whether that's Spotify, SoundCloud, the uh, Apple podcast app, wherever you do, or wherever you get your podcast from, please. It helps me out more than you know when you like, rate, review, and subscribe. So now that we have the agenda laid out and you know what's going to be in this episode, episode 95, let's get right into the mail sack. Our first two questions on the mail sack this week come from Adam Blanford, who asks, if you had the opportunity to play quarterback at any mid-major school, where would you pick? He also adds the qualifier that the AAC doesn't count. So right off the bat, I go to Chattanooga. I love Chattanooga. It's a great town. Um, Decent enough football program that... You go there, you make some noise, you could possibly maybe get some looks in the NFL, you do really well there. Um, I'm also taking into account that if I do go to these schools, I'm going to be playing quarterback. Um, And I think Chattanooga, if you have success there, is one of the places that, hey, like I'm a good quarterback, I quote-unquote run the school, you could be big man on campus, Uh, that's a place. I would also look into Appalachian State. I just think that their stadium is extremely cool, they're Year in and year out, very good. Uh, Coastal Carolina is another place that I would look at just because of the location. I would also look at Hawaii. That's got to be the ultimate location spot you go and you play Hawaii. I know it would probably be hard for family to come and see me play, but there's some uh, games that we have on the mainland. I'm already talking like an Islander, um, but there are some games on the mainland. So those would be my like top three choices Chattanooga, Appalachian State, and Hawaii and Coastal Carolina um, in any order. I would be more than happy with playing at one of those schools. The next question we have from Adam Blanford on the mail sack this week, he asks, what are your top five all-time nicknames for athletes? So going and looking at this, um, number one, well, number five, we're going into sending order here, uh, Deion Sanders, primetime. 
you can go and you can just say, hey, Prime made that play, or Coach Prime, now that he's down coaching football um, at Jacksonville State, I believe, yeah. Um, I love that. Um, and it really seems like he fully embraced the whole, like, hey, Deion Sanders is one guy, but prime time, he's a totally different guy. Um, so I like that. Uh, moving on, our fourth is the dream, Hakeem, the dream, Elijah Wan. I just love the way it rolls off the tongue. Akeem, the dream, Elijah Wan. Um, absolutely perfect nickname as well. Next, we have number three, the refrigerator, William Perry, the defensive tackle slash fullback for the Bears. I think that fully encompasses what he was as a football player, just a big mountain of a man uh, known as the refrigerator. Next, at number two, we have Big Poppy, David Ortiz. I absolutely love that nickname. And then there was a little tidbit. There was a commercial way back when Big Poppy did growing up. Um, he got off of a plane or something in Japan or Asia or China or something like that. And one of the kids had like seen a jersey, a David Ortiz jersey, and... It wasn't David Ortiz who was wearing it. So he walks up to the guy and he goes, you know, Big Poppy. And I literally would quote that with my dad just a ton. Like we would say that to each other a ton growing up for about like four or five years. Um, I don't know. I know my dad listens to this. I don't know if he remembers that commercial or anything, but hopefully he does. And then I also... These are honorable mentions, I would say, before we get to the number one. Some honorable mentions. Barring what he did off the field, O.J. Simpson, the Juice. That's a good-ass nickname. I have to give him that. And then my other honorable mention before we get to the number one is Julius Irving with Dr. J. That's a fucking great nickname. And then the last one, it's Magic Johnson. It's it's just solely become magic. You can say that to anybody uh, basketball-wise, and they know exactly who you're talking about. I think a good nickname um, encompasses things where you can just say that one name, magic, and anybody that is in the sports world or basically outside the sports world as well um, has a pretty good idea of who you're talking about. So those are the rankings of my nicknames for the players. Our next question comes from Polly Marino, who asks, Can Goof win two in a row? The Lions win last week, finally getting their first win of the season against the Vikings. This week they go to Denver, play at mile high. Um, no, I don't think they do, Polly. I think they end up regressing to the mean, and they end up losing again. Moving on. Uh, our next question comes from Kristen Mulcahy, who asks, did Scott Peterson kill Lacey Peterson? Absolutely. Um, if you're unaware of this, Scott Peterson was just sentenced again uh, to life in prison without parole. Um, he dodged the death penalty. But going back, this was one of the like first true crime things I can remember like seeing on TV and hearing a ton about. This happened in like 2002, 2003, 2004. Um, Scott Peterson killed his wife and their child in that was yet to be born yet. I appreciate you asking such Good questions about such uplifting topics, Kristen. Um, glad I get to talk about this. But um, it came out that he had some 
affairs going on, and he just seems so unremorseful about the killing and everything. Um, yeah, I'm in the camp 100% that he did do it. There is a Hulu documentary um, series, I believe, that goes into like maybe some conspiracies and takes a closer look into it. Um, that's been on my watch list for a while now. I just haven't gotten around to it. But um, yeah, I 100% think they did. Uh, our next question comes from Matthew Hamilton. Hammy, I appreciate you reaching out and asking. Um, he asks, if Oklahoma State beats Baylor, do you think they would have jumped USC? 100%. I think that if they go and they beat Oklahoma in the last week that they already did, and then they beat Baylor again, and maybe a little bit more convincingly, um, I know it would have been by less than a touchdown if they would have gotten that last play in and when the def- excuse me when the running back reached the ball towards the uh, pylon but i think they would have i think a one loss big 12 champion would have probably gotten in at the four spot over cincinnati um and that's I, that's sort of bullshit because they do put so much premium on winning and if you look at it, I would say Cincinnati probably had the better win out of the wins that Oklahoma State and Cincinnati had. Like going to Notre Dame and winning how they did, and then they beat a good SMU team, a ranked Houston team as well that last week. I think that helped the case a lot that Houston was ranked that last week and they beat them how they did. Um, I don't know if that was maybe some foresight um, by the committee to say, hey, if we're going to put Cincinnati here at four, we got to make the resume look a little bit better. We rank those guys down from Houston higher here. I don't know, but I do, to answer your question, I do 100% think that if Oklahoma State did end up winning, then they're in the playoff above Cincinnati. Moving on, our next question, next two questions come from Michael Bennett who asks, how do you think the Great Pyramids in Egypt were built? I don't know. There's a lot of fishiness going around there um if you think about the kind of technology that they needed to build those sort of things to that grand of scale at that time and just how underdeveloped they actually were um i, I got some questions i'm not 100 percent sure some people say aliens i'm not going to go that far into it um but i don't know I do not know, Mike. I appreciate you asking such provocative questions. Then Michael Bennett asks, should all NFL games be played in a dome? They should not. The important games, like the Super Bowl, I say yes. Because those two teams, I do not want any weather deciding that. I want the best team to win. I want the best team to win without any advantage of weather or anything like that. Besides that, I'm totally fine with... Playoff games, regular season games, being outdoors. It's a part of those games, 100%. Deal with it. But when it comes to the Super Bowl and there's that magnitude of it, I would like that to be just strictly who's the better team, who played better that day. Regular season and playoffs, it's an element you got to deal with. Get over it. I know that might be a little hypocritical, but that's just my stance on it. Next question comes from Ty Spaulding, who asks, Tiger and Charlie winning at the PNC. They will probably not simply just because I think the Thomases or the Poltas or somebody else will, um, where the ages match up a little bit better, where the 
like child is a little bit older, but a massive story coming out of golf this week um, after Tiger hosted the Hero World Challenge that he was going to be returning to quote-unquote competitive golf, even though he called this a hit and giggle um, with his son Charlie where they played last year and they took basically social, excuse me, social media by storm um, with basically everything they did at this tournament. I expect the exact same thing. It is a huge accomplishment just to be playing in this tournament 10 months after the accident that Tiger Woods was in. Um, To speak a little bit about the Tiger Woods situation, I wish we could finally get some real answers from him about what actually happened and what was going on with him that day. I understand there's some people saying that there's privacy and what does he owe us. I think given his track record with DUIs and substances and things like that, like we need to hold his feet to the fire a little bit. I understand that the whole sentiment around it is I'm glad he's back and I 100% am too and I'm glad he's alive and I'm glad he's going to be returning to golf. I just think there needs to be a bit more responsibility and a bit more accountability from Tiger's end on what happened on that day. But to answer your question, Ty, circling back, I don't think they win. Um, I think it's just one of those things that Tiger's doing with a son that he likes doing, he enjoys doing, and I think we should all just be grateful and happy that Tiger is up, alive, walking around, and returning to golf in some capacity, um, even if it is this quote-unquote hit and giggle. Our next question comes from Ali Stevens, who asks, what in the fresh fuck are the Steelers going to do for a quarterback? So what I can see them doing is going and drafting a quarterback in the first round, and then possibly signing some veteran Sort of like what the Bears did this last year. I'm not saying they're going to go after Andy Dalton or anything by any means like that. But they sign a guy in the offseason, a veteran, and then they go and they take a rookie quarterback. And then there probably is some back and forth, like should the rookie start, should this veteran start, blah, 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 blah. Um, But I think I would target... Pickett out of Pittsburgh. I love his game. He's already in Pennsylvania as well, in Pittsburgh. So I love that matchup and that fit right there. Um, If they want to go and they trade up, you can look at a Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Um, There's a ton of options. I'm not sure any are like 100% sure fire is the problem. This quarterback quarterback draft class is plentiful but it's a quantity over quality I believe Um, I think one of the weaker quarterback classes in recent years especially compared to the last few but uh, there's options there and I think the most likely route is they draft somebody hopefully a Kenny Pickett type guy from Pittsburgh and they bring in a veteran that can teach lead a little bit um, and be that starter if they do need him and then turn the keys over to that rookie draft pick at some point in the year next year or the season after that. And then the last question for this week's mail sack comes from Jack Muldoon. Who would win in a rough and rowdy? Trent versus Blandy. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sure that this analysis of this fight is going to maybe cause some rifts, cause some ill will, um, but I'm going to do my best to be an impartial journalist here and give you my honest Uh, breakdown. There has been a history of violence between these two friends in the past. Um, My senior year of college, I let Blandy and Trent Revelette stay at my home uh, up at the University of Kentucky, and Blandy ended up 
I believe, hitting Trent after a night out at the bars because he was on the couch. He threw him off the thing. There was water on the ground. It was this whole, whole ordeal um, that caused Trent to uh, ultimately leave the couch and Blaney got to sleep on the couch. What I think we need to think in this fight is... Let me let me think how to say this. Um, we need to think about stamina, and I think we need to think about reach, and I think we need to think about motive. If there's a reason for both of these guys to fight, then I think that changes things. The reach I give to Blandy. He's a taller guy. He has longer lengths. Um, Fighting-wise, I've not seen these two really in any physical altercations in my entire life. Um... I will say Blandy has a mean shrink about him. When he gets angry, he gets very angry. So if he's fighting angry, I like his chances a lot. Um, If Trent were to go and come out and just lean on him, make him feel him, carry his weight, everything like that, I like Trent in this fight. Ultimately, though, I think if they fought um, for real, I would go with Blandy, ultimately. But I think it would not be a knockout. It wouldn't be any type of that. I think it would be probably a split decision at the end where both of the guys, if there was a real reason to fight, the hatchet would be buried and uh, there'd be some mutual respect earned by both fighters in that competition. But ultimately, I apologize, Trent. I would go with Adam Blanford to win this fight. That is going to do it for the mail sack this week. Once again, as I always do, Thank you all to all the listeners and friends that sent in questions. That segment is not possible without you all. Now let's get into some NFL Week 14 discussion. To start off Week 14, the Thursday night game, we have the Steelers going to the Vikings. The Steelers coming off their massive win in the AFC North against the Ravens on that failed two-point conversion. Going up against the Vikings, coming off the loss to the Lions. Right now, Dalvin Cook is a game-time decision. I can't imagine that he does end up playing. It's a big game for both of these teams. Both of these teams need a win badly to continue to be in the hunt for the playoffs. Ultimately, though, I am going to go with the Steelers. I think the loss of Adam Thielen last week hurts the Vikings a ton, especially if they're going to be down Cook as well. Madison is for them at the running back is a more than serviceable backup. I think he'd be a starter on a ton of NFL teams. Um, hopefully he gets that chance sometime in the future. But in this game, Thursday night, I am going to go with the Steelers over the Vikings in an upset. The Vikings are favored by three. I'm a bit surprised by that. Next, we move on to Sunday. We have the Ravens going up against the Browns. As I had mentioned, the Ravens coming off the loss last week to the Steelers and the Browns coming off the bye week. There's a lot of injuries and sickness and illness in this game. The Ravens have about 20 guys right now um, on the injury report. The Browns are dealing with some COVID-19 issues as well. The punter is going to be out. David Njoku is going to be out at tight end, and so is Anthony Walker at the linebacker position for the Browns. A thing for the Browns fans to keep an eye on um, earlier this week in a press conference, Stefanski, the head coach, said that there were going to be some times that probably Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were going to be on the field at the same time. Whatever this offense needs to get a shot in the arm, just fucking do it. Um, the defense has played well enough in the back half of the season to where they should be winning games because they're playing well defensively and holding teams to a 
beatable amount of points, uh, which was not the case at the beginning, in the middle of the year, but the defense is coming in to a little bit of its own. We saw when they played the Ravens two weeks ago, they were able to turn the ball over a ton uh, from Lamar Jackson. I don't know if that's going to happen again. Um, It will be interesting, and it's a bit deflating for this game, um, knowing that they were able to do so much defensively and turn the ball over so much, and their defense was able to hold the Ravens to so little points, but they still couldn't win that game. Whatever, Like I said, whatever it needs to be done to get this offense a jolt, a shot in the arm, let's do it. Um, I am going to go with the Browns in this one. I think they are a hungrier dog. You know, hungrier dogs run faster. Um, I will go with the Browns in this one because I do think they need to win a little bit more. Moving on, the next game we have on the schedule is the Jaguars going to the Titans. I This game's going to be closer than the spread, I think. Eight and a half. I do think the Titans end up winning, but I do think the Jaguars keep it competitive at least and close. They've been playing teams uh, in the recent weeks a little closer than um, previously. I know last week they get blown out by the Rams, but the Rams... I think they're head and shoulders better than the Jaguars talent-wise and everything. Um, but they played the Falcons close. They were in the game with the 49ers a little bit. The Colts, they were in that. They end up beating the Bills a few weeks ago um, in the start of November. So the team, the Jaguars, they're not good by any means, but they can play teams close. And with the injuries that the Titans are dealing with, I do think there is a chance for the Jaguars to keep this um under that eight and a half, so I'm going to take the Jaguars. The next game, we have a big matchup in the AFC West. We have the Raiders going to the Chiefs. The Chiefs starting to look like what the Chiefs should all year. Um, offense still struggling at times, um, but they beat the Broncos last week on Sunday Night Football. They handle the Cowboys um, on on November 21st, and then they go and they put up 41 points against the Raiders um, back in early November. I don't know if there's an offensive explosion like that again for the Chiefs, but I do think they win this game. I think they're starting to turn that corner. The defense is playing a little bit better. That offense, I think inconsistent is the best word to describe that right now. Um, But when it starts clicking, which I think it's going to here sooner than later, and it's going to be more consistent on a regular basis, then I like the Chiefs pass this game as well, but in this game, I do like the Chiefs, especially if Darren Waller is going to be out, there is a possibility, um, he does miss this game, uh, that's obviously the Raiders' number one offensive weapon and target, and the Raiders lose Kenyon Drake last week as well, I think that plays a big part in it as well, so I'll take the Chiefs. The next game, we have the Saints going to the Jets, Last week, the Saints coming off a bye. I believe Taysom Hill is going to be starting in this game once again. Last week, the Jets end up losing to the Eagles. For some reason, I want to say the Jets win this game, but I, thinking about it, um, I think the Saints' defense is going to show up in this one. Taysom Hill is going to be able to run the ball, I think, have an effective day on the ground using his legs. So I'm going to go with the Saints in this one. I think maybe Taysom has two rushing touchdowns, and the defense for the Saints has maybe a pick six or scoop and score fumble um, that propels them to a victory over the Jets. The next game, we have a massive, massive matchup in the NFC East between the Cowboys and the Washington football team. The Washington football team dating back winners of four in a row, beating the Buccaneers, the Panthers, the Seahawks, and the Raiders. 
The Cowboys on the other side, they come off a win last week um, where they beat the Saints, as we just mentioned, and talked about that. Uh, Tony Pollard, running back, banged up. Questionable to play right now. Ezekiel Elliott still dealing with some health in his knee. Um, Amari Cooper should be fully recovered and back um, in a full-time workload uh, position at the wide receiver spot from when he wasn't uh, last week in that last matchup against the Saints. Ah, this is a tough game to call. I, I think the Cowboys end up winning this game. I think that the defense for the Cowboys with Parsons and Diggs and the other pieces they have there is going to be able to make a play sometime late in the game that they need. Maybe Washington's driving down three or a touchdown or something late in the game and they make the play, a strip sack, an interception, something like that, and the Cowboys do end up winning this game. And I will say, I think Ezekiel Elliott has one of the better games he's had this year. He started out really hot. Fell off in the middle of the season, but I do think um, with that knee getting healthier and healthier, having a bit of a prolonged time to recover and everything, I like the Cowboys in this one, and I like him to have a big game. Next, we have the Falcons going up against the Panthers, a battle in the NFC South of two, five, and seven teams. Big for both of these teams. I am going to go with the Panthers over the Falcons. I just think the Panthers' defense is a little bit better than the Falcons. It'll be interesting to see how they use uh, Cam Newton and Chubba Hubbard now that Christian McCaffrey is out, but I do ultimately think that the Panthers beat the Falcons. Moving on, next game, this really doesn't have much importance. The Seahawks going up against the Texans. The Texans benched Tyrod Taylor last week. Um, I think the Seahawks should be able to win this one pretty comfortably. Um, nothing that the Texans do on offense really concerned me. So the bad defensive Seahawks can skate by, and hopefully they can find, Russell Wills can find some sort of resurgence, whatever you want to call it, in this game. And he starts to look like the Russ of old, the let Russ cook days. Those were so short, so short time ago, but it feels like years ago. But uh, ultimately, I do have the Seahawks beating the Texans. Next, we talked about this game a little bit already in the mail sack, but the Lions go to the Broncos. I will take the Broncos in this one. I think the defense with the Broncos was going to be too much for the Lions, especially if they're going to be without DeAndre Swift. Um, it's hard to run against this team at times. Um, so if you're telling me Jared Goff is going to be the one that's going to have to beat you, um, I have some trouble with that. Um, Sertan as well has come on extremely well. In these last few games, I expect him to maybe have a pick in this game. So I'm going to go with the Broncos over the Lions. Next game, we have the Giants and the Chargers. I think this one's extremely easy as well. The Chargers coming off a victory last week um, against the Bengals in a bit of a lopsided victory. Um, sort of reminiscent about for the Bengals of that Browns game where they just got behind early and they made it close at one point, but then they just pulled away. Um, in that game, Herbert... Went for 317 yards and three touchdowns. Um, the Giants are a dumpster fire right now. Um, I'm going to go with the Chargers over the Giants. The next game, a big one for both of these teams, an inner uh, conference game. We have the 49ers going to the Cincinnati Bengals. If Debo Samuel plays, I like the 49ers' chances a lot here. Um, if he doesn't, I like the Bengals. I know that's a bit of a cop-out and everything like that. I will... You know what? I will go with I'm going to go with the Bengals. I think that the injuries scenario surrounding 
the 49ers with Samuel and then Mitchell dealing with a concussion um, and a bounce back spot for the Bengals as well. This is a big game. They know that, um, especially for their playoff chances. So I'm going to go with the Bengals in this one. I think Bro's going to have a big game and I think Mixon is going to have a big game as well. Moving on, probably the biggest game of the day. We have the Bills going to the Buccaneers. The Bills coming off a loss last Monday night in a game where Mac Jones threw three passes. Um, and then the Buccaneers last week coming off their 30-17 to victory over the Falcons. I am going to go with the Buccaneers in this one. I think their defense shows up. I think Buffalo continues to reel a little bit. I still think that offense at times is a little one-dimensional. Um, last week, I don't certainly nothing that they could have done about the weather with the 40 mile per hour winds and the snow and everything like that. That's just a chalk it up, like unlucky game, I think. But I do think the better overall team right now is the Buccaneers, so I will have them beating the Bills on Sunday. And then our Sunday night football game, we have the Bears going to the Packers. Justin Fields is going to be back for the Bears, but ultimately I don't think that's going to be enough. Jari Alexander for the Packers just got activated from IR. That defense is playing very well. Um, dating back the Packers, they go um, and they had the bye last week, but they're coming off a win against the Rams and then a loss against the Vikings, but then a very good performance against the Seahawks and eh, lost because of Jordan Love at quarterback to the Chiefs, but I just think the Packers are starting to round into form come playoff time. Um, Aaron Jones back healthy as well after missing only one or two weeks uh, with that injury, a week off last week to rehab and everything like that, get healthier. I like him a lot in this game. I will go with the Packers over the Bears. And then the Monday night game, the Rams going up against the Cardinals. I'm going to go with the Cardinals in this one. I think that that defense doesn't get enough credit for how good it is against the run. Um... If they're able to get some pressure on Stafford and make him force some bad throws, then I think that there can obviously be turnovers and Kyler Murray and Hopkins. And if they are able to get Edmonds back, um, that's great. James Conner has done pretty well on the ground so far this year, especially with Edmonds out. He's done a great job filling in um, as that primary back. But um, what I was saying... They take advantage of those turnovers. Kyler and that offense converts those into points. I will go with the Cardinals to get a big, big win in the NFC West this week. And that is going to do it for week 14. We are now going to do a small uh, college basketball discussion before we wrap up this episode of The Sack. We now switch gears to talk about college basketball. Just looking at the rankings now, Purdue, for the first time in the school's history, is ranked number one, followed by Baylor, coming off their national championship year, sitting at 8-0, then Duke, UCLA, and Gonzaga round out your top five. Continuing on, 6-10, through 10, read as Villanova. Texas, Kansas, Alabama coming off their big win last week in Seattle, basically a home game. For Gonzaga, against Gonzaga, the Tide was able to win there. And then UK sitting at number 10. Some games to look forward to. Tonight you have Texas at Seton Hall. That's going to be a awesome matchup. Uh, Purdue goes to Rutgers. Um, Rutgers, decent last year, but I think Purdue's able to handle that tonight. And then Iowa State, 17th in the country, hosting Iowa. That's a game to keep an eye on there. Um, 
Iowa with Keegan Murray, one of the more underrated players in the country, sitting at 23.9 points per game. Friday, not a ton. Saturday, we have some games there on the matchup slate. Wisconsin hosts Ohio State. That's a big one. Um with Wisconsin, Johnny Davis sitting at 20 points a game, EJ Liddell sitting at 19.8. It's going to be pivotal for the Buckeyes to not fall into traps and just play at the slow pace that Wisconsin likes to do. Kentucky goes to Notre Dame. Um, Dane Goodwin sitting there at 14 points per game as their leading scorer. A true road game for UK as well um, in the non-conference. You don't see that all the time uh, by Kentucky, so it'll be imperative for them to get this win. Notre Dame sitting at 3-4 and four on the year. A bit of a down year right now for Mike Bray, but um, a nice test for the Cats to see where they're at fully um, come just to see where they're at so far in the year. Uh Let's see. UCLA goes to Marquette. Marquette's already pulled off an upset or two this year. Um, Be mindful of that, but I do think UCLA does end up winning. Another game um, I think is going to be a good one. St. Bonaventure goes up against UConn. The Bonnies led by Kyle Lofton and then RJ Cole being the leading scorer for UConn. I like UConn in that one, but a big game for St. Bonaventure. in the non-conference. And then Houston and Alabama, they play at 10 p.m. on that night. Houston coming off their final four-year with Sasser, their leading scorer, and then Shackelford being the leading scorer for Alabama. I like Houston in this one to upset Alabama, but I do love this Alabama team for the year, but I think Houston ends up getting it done. Um, on Sunday, Purdue goes to North Carolina State. That's a tough game. Um, Baylor and Villanova also play. I'm going to go with Baylor in that one. Villanova at times just hasn't looked as impressive. And then LJ Cryer for Baylor being their leading scorer can do it in a multitude of ways. I like Baylor in that one. Um, not a ton of other big games on Sunday. Monday, not really much either. And then we loop back around to Tuesday where Alabama goes to Memphis. Coming off the loss, but I predict they will um, against Houston. I think they're going to absolutely kill Memphis, who is in a state of disarray at the moment. And that really does it for the college basketball um, things, because next Wednesday we'll have an episode out, things like that. Um, That is going to do it for this episode, episode 95 of Carson Sack Podcast. As I mentioned to you in the intro, we are going to have a bowl preview and college football playoff preview on the next episode and a mail sack and an NFL and a college basketball. So there's going to be a ton of content there in that episode, episode 96. But episode 95, after listening to now, a bit shorter, but still a good episode. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, Like, rate, review, subscribe. Thank you so much for listening, and as we always end here on the sack, we will be seen.